1: Hey, great to be uh, here doing church with you guys this morning. Uh, If I'm an unfamiliar face to you, my name's Kelvin, I'm the associate pastor here, and it's just great to be together uh, and to kind of do this. If I accidentally say something like, tonight, uh, it's just because I've been preaching so much at night church and just never here, okay? So don't worry, we'll just pretend. Also, I've been up since like 4 a.m., so in a way, (laughs) it's kind of nighttime. Let me pray real quick. Lord, I so love that you desire a relationship with us. And we come here together as family this morning, and we, we desire a relationship with you. We desire to know you more. And so my prayer, Lord, is that as we, as we dive into your word and as we, as we have a conversation, um, Lord, I ask that you would just draw close, that we would know your nearness, that we would know your love, we would know your grace. We would know just more of you. Would we, would we leave here today different? Not because something, something crazy has happened, but but simply because we've had a moment of feeling closer to you. So draw us deeper into your arms, deeper into your story, and more into the very thing that is your kingdom. Amen. All right. Let's start with a scripture, eh? Because that seems like a good thing to do. This is in a... Job 11, uh, chapter 11, verses 7 to 9. Can you find out the depths of God or find out the perfection of the Almighty? It is higher than the heavens. So what can you do? It is deeper than Sheol. So what can you know? I am someone who needs to know how everything works. Right? I'm someone who needs to figure stuff out to the point where it it affects the way I sleep. I want to give you an example, okay, a recent example. In the last 10 days, I have become a brewer of beer. Okay? And it's a deeply historical and monastic thing, so there's nothing unchristian about it, okay? It's been a pretty exciting process. Uh, so I, I, work, I work some of my week at, at Parachute and uh, Mark, our CEO, he, um, he, he bought this massive brew system and he was basically like, okay, Calvin, this is your project. And I was like, well, if you're going to ask me to like, learn about beer and make beer on the clock, I guess that's an okay thing to do. So I'm all about it. Anyway. So we got this big kit and it comes with all the ingredients and, and I just kind of opened the instruction book and the first batch I just, I just worked through the instructions, okay, I just did what it told me, I put everything in, I mixed it with hot water, I did all that, I put it in this like little snug thing and I brewed it, okay, and then on Friday, we cracked it open, we had some of this beer and can I say, it was pretty good. And there's at least one person in this room who can verify that, there you go, just in the corner. I don't wanna single you out bro, but thanks. <laughs> <clears throat> but here's how it affected my week, okay? Because you need to notice. So at least four times during last week, I woke up in the middle of the night and spent at least an hour on my phone learning about fermentation <laughs> and learning about the different kinds of beers and learning what's going on and trying to understand it. And I, I just got so deep. You've, who's ever gone down a YouTube hole, right? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Like I just need to figure these things out. And it's not just with beer. It's like this, new, this church drum kit here, I must've spent like 12, 13, 14 hours researching these. I can tell you why this one's better. And this sounds good, right? Anyone notice what sounds better? You guys should all be just noticing these things, right? It's like, I just get so into this sort of stuff. I, I have to wrap my head around something to the point of borderline obsession. And, and actually for me, the same has been true of my faith. There's been many times where I felt like I needed to to wrap my head around God or to wrap my head around theology or to wrap my head around particular concepts, wrap my head around heaven or wrap my head around hell or wrap my head around salvation or wrap my head around um, atonement theory or eschatology or dispensationalism or like whatever. Start start getting some big words. Every every single time I felt like I needed to wrap my head around it a little bit. I've had to like, try and find language to articulate and engage with these things. I feel like I needed to do that in order to understand more of who God was. And what's been fascinating for me over the last few years is that most of my growth, most of my personal relationship with God has actually flourished not through grasping concepts, but actually through the embracing of mystery and learning to be okay with the not knowing. And it's like this, this inner battle with myself. Uh, has anyone else been on a, a, a similar journey like that before? It's like, I mean, I've tried to figure this God thing out so many times, but actually, it seems, it seems like when I almost just sit back or lean back, it's like actually in those moments, like something far more meaningful happens in my, in my personal time, just, just being aware or making myself available. And this, I think, has been like a really significant challenge. I I don't think this is a just a me thing. When I look through sort of all of Christian history, this has been the issue. There has been constant, uh, constant attempts, particularly by the Western church, to try and understand and articulate what it means to have a relationship with God and what that looks like. And you know, every time I like sort of, you know, get a bit geeky and open up uh, some sort of timeline on the internet of, of, of Christianity, what you have is just these like thousands of branches of, of, of church splitting off as different people have found a different way of articulating what they believe to be right. In fact, it kind of starts off kind of slow. So it's basically like a 1,000 years before the first sort of church split happened, and then like another 500 years, and then what's crazy is basically off of one split, so basically off of the Protestant split, in the last 500 years, 30,000 splits. 30,000 times people going, you know what, this is actually the right way of thinking about this, and the right way of entering into this, and the right way of engaging with this. 30,000. I'm so glad that we've got the right one, guys. (laughs) Far out. Oh, relief for the soul, am I right? Now there is this sort of inherent desire in all of us to sort of to sort of know and figure it out. And and actually like blood has been shed and division has has happened in the midst of, of, of the brotherhood, of the fellowship of believers because of people determined to articulate and and basically ascribing too much meaning to the words and to the definitions and trying to put these things into a box. And the reality is, is that it's so much bigger than that. Can you find out the depths of God or find out the perfection of the Almighty? And this is all of what Job is wrestling with. It's like all of this stuff is going on, happening to him. And there's this, this kind of, this dialogue that's going on. And essentially it's like, no, you can't, you can't figure this thing out. You can't nail it down. You can't, you can't in like your, your finite capacity, articulate the infinite. And that is a, is, is a big concept and actually a challenging concept for anyone who's grown up in the West, which, to be honest, is pretty much all of us. Our worldview invites us To try and box things and and find a a way of just knowing and functioning. And a lot of the time, for fundamental Christians, like that works until it doesn't. So there's a challenge and an invitation for us. So here's here's what I want to explore today. I want to explore a little bit of this question, right? How can I know God? So how can I go deeper in my relationship with God? And what I want to do is I want to look particularly at, at, at three different areas. Uh, certainty, comprehension, and confidence. Now, these are like very Western things. And, and actually, they're not, they're not bad things. They're not, this is not a critique of those things. But this is just kind of the way we tend to think about things. And I, and I, want, to just, I want to just roughly explain what each of those things means because it's a, there's a, a subtle difference to each of them. But then we're going to uh, unpack it a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so when I'm talking about certainty, I'm talking about knowing God's truth. All right. So when I'm talking about certainty this morning, I'm talking about what it means to know God's truth. Um, when I'm talking about comprehension, I'm talking about what it means to, to comprehend or to know God's character, who God is. All right. Subtle difference. And when I'm talking about confidence, I'm talking about knowing God's ways. What are the righteous paths? What is the right thing to do in all these situations? How does God uh, ask or or expect me to act? What is the right thing? Okay, this is what I'm talking about. Certainty, knowing God's truth. Comprehension, knowing God's character. Confidence, knowing God's ways. You kind of with me? Just so we can kind of track through this a little bit. Now, these are all really good things. We, we all have things that we're certain of. We're, in fact, faith requires a, um, an element of certainty, uh, certainty. Oh, that's not right. Certainty to it. 4 a.m., guys. Certainty, what is that? Um, <clears throat> it requires an element of certainty to it. Right? Faith is being certain of what we hope for but cannot see. We have to have certainty. We have to have things that anchor us. So, like, if I just throw it out to you guys, what are you certain of? What truths are you certain of? That Jesus rose from the dead. Amen. The sun's coming up tomorrow. What else? What are you certain of? Going to heaven. Right. What else? Jesus loves me. There is a God. Yeah. What else? What else? What anchors you? What are you certain of? There's work tomorrow. (laughs) Amen, brother. What else? God knows us. Yeah, these are all things like we we actually need to be certain of some things because they they actually they anchor us, they they give us something to I don't know to hold on to. But I want to propose that 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 certainty requires a balance with mystery. You see, like, the certainties, the, the absolute truths, the ob- objective truths about, about God and about the story that we're invited to participate into, like, they're, they're absolute. We can't argue with them. But we are subjective people with different lives and different experiences and different stories and different backgrounds and different trauma, all these sorts of things, and they affect our ability. So we can say, we can all say the same thing. We could all say, Jesus loves me. But for one person, that could be incredibly painful. And for one person, that could be incredibly liberating. Certainty is a complex thing to navigate. And actually, mystery is something that we need to learn to sit with a little bit, just in balance with certainty. Not not instead of, but in tandem with. Mystery is something we need to learn. Learn to embrace and lean into. Um, I love this, that uh, the words mystery, mystical, and matter all come from the Indo-European root word, moyen, which means hush or close the lips, right? So here's this, okay? So almost like on the opposite of certainty, which is the certainty is the thing you speak. The mystery is this, is actually not, I'm just not going to speak in this moment, but I'm just going to be. I'm going to choose to just be. I don't know the answer. I don't have to know the answer in this space. But, and, and actually, that's, that's kind of okay. We have to learn to sit with the mystery of God. Paul, in his letters, talks about the mystery of Christ. Like, there is a mystery. We're certain that Jesus rose from the dead. But that's a mystery because it, it's just like not how life works. You know? We're certain he ascended to heaven, but like, that's a mystery because what is that? No one knows what that is or looks like or what, you know, it's a mystery. And we have to learn to be okay with mystery. And it's not about just being like, I have faith, guys. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's something deeper than that. It's a way of being still, of not having to know the answer or speak to the answer, but actually, actually deeply trusting and so when it comes to the certainty of knowing truth, we can also lean into the mystery of God's truth, not having to figure it all out and kind of being, okay, are you guys, are we tracking along? Okay, good. So mystery and certainty are something that we can hold in tandem with one another. What about our comprehension, this idea of comprehending God's character or, or, or the things that God does? Um, <clears throat> Comprehension is actually something I think that can be held in tandem with this whole idea of not knowing. It's like we can comprehend some of the things that God does. We can, we can see those things. We can, we can, you know, we've got these stories of, of encounter uh, or miracles. We can, we can sort of point towards those things. Uh, we can point towards the scriptures and the incredible stories that come out of that. But we can also say that we like, don't fully understand those things. Um, and Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, We cannot comprehend the work of God from beginning to end. It's like, well, we, we can talk about it and we can speak to it, but we can't, we can't truly like, wrap our heads around it. We can know the story, but it, there's actually always something bigger going on. Or in Isaiah 55, 8-9, this is what God says to the prophet. My thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are beyond your ways, and my thoughts are beyond your thoughts. It's like this, this idea of God, of who God is, is actually a really complex thing. And so when we start a sentence with, well, God is blank, whatever, or Jesus is blank, it's like, well, we can say something that can, that can be totally true, but at the same time might fall short, fall short of the, the, the gravity and the, the width and the depth of it. So we have to learn to like balance this comprehension. It's like, I can know God and I can speak to some of those things. But also, I have to be okay with just not knowing. Of actually letting go of some of that, the comprehension of being able to articulate who God is and what God is. And then there's this whole thing of Confidence. Of being confidence, and I think confidence is something that we hold uh, in tandem with humility. I want, you to, I want you to think for a second about any expert that you've met. If you've met like a professional sports person or a professional musician, I, I want you to think about how they were, and, I, and, and what I want to suggest is that the, the most talented, the most masterful, they don't actually boast about how good they are. You know, I'm a big football fan and I, and I often look at uh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi and there's this, there's this big sort of debate in all of football about who is the greatest of all time. Is it Messi or Ronaldo? And it's weird because for a long time I thought it was Ronaldo. But actually like, the more I've, I've sort of watched football and watched, watched both of them play, there is a humility that Messi plays with. He doesn't talk about how he's the best. He doesn't feel pressure to present himself in any particular way. But he carries himself with a certain humility. And there's like this respect for, for, for him from everyone on the field. It's like, you know, it's like you're a lot more careful when Messi's out there. Everyone plays against Messi differently. I think that there's something about humility. I think about uh, what the videos that I've seen of... Um, uh, of uh, of uh, Desmond Tutu, who was the arch, uh, who wrote the book uh, "No Future Without Forgiveness," and he's spe- you know he's getting asked all these questions, and uh, he speaks with such gentleness. And actually, I think like true experts, they they often respond more with questions than they do with an outright answer. In fact, it's more like, "Have you considered this?" It's like it's like an expert would offer something rather than tell you how something should be i've seen it with people who are talented coffee roasters or baristas i've seen it you know i've seen it with people who are builders and it's amazing what like how much different humility looks just just based on like someone's confidence so we have this confidence in who God is and this confidence in how we are invited to act and participate within the world. But there's this balance with humility. So we can sort of know, you know, this is the right thing. This is what Christians should do. This is how we should act in any given moment. But there's also this humility that we're invited towards. In fact, Jesus, Jesus never says in the Gospels, you must be right. Or even that it's necessarily important to be right. But he largely talks about being honest and humble. And it seems that when we look at the person of Jesus in the Gospels, it seems like humility might actually be our only real form of rightness. What does righteousness, God's righteousness, looks like? I think it looks like humility. When I go to some of my favorite scriptures, Micah 6, 8, what else does the Lord require of you but to love mercy and to do justice and walk humbly with your God? Or when we look at Philippians 2, 3 to 5, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This thing of being able to just put others, others before you and above you, rather than saying, like, actually, I'm the one who's figured everything out. I mean, we see this, like we live in a world now where like newscasters and politicians, they can, they sort of say, hey, actually, those people over there are doing this wrong. And on this side, this side of the fence, we're doing everything right. And what that does is it creates barriers and divisions. And it is inconsistent with the story of the gospel because the story of the gospel is unifying. Jesus draws others in rather than pushes others away. So humility is this thing that we need to hold in tandem with our confidence. Yes, we can be certain of a certain way to act and participate in and engage with the world, but we also want to do that with humility, holding each person we encounter above above ourselves and before ourselves. I think we're invited to step into that humility. And so mystery, a sense of unknowing and humility, These things, I think, are all ways that we can grow closer to God. How can I know God more? By leaning into mystery, by by being okay with not knowing, by choosing humility, by embodying a posture of humility. These things, I I believe, and have been really helpful for me, to move closer to God, to know God more at a a deeper level, at a more intimate level. Um, And we want to be with certainty with our comprehension of God, um, with our confidence. Um, There's a, a Jesuit priest who says this, faith is that breakthrough into the deep realm of the soul, which accepts paradox with humility, which I love, you know? It's like, yeah, it's confident, it's being really certain, but it's also being able to hold those things really loosely. It's like knowing in your heart of hearts, who God is and what he's about and what this story means for all of humanity. And it's also being able to like acknowledge that you just haven't quite got it and you're still open to it and you're still being shaped by it. It's like in the depths of our soul with a soul which accepts paradox with humility. I think that that's a beautiful little sentiment. And I think what happens is as... As we lean into these things, as we learn to be a bit more okay with these things, as we discover more of God in mystery and in humility, um, what begins to happen is that we move more towards, I think, a a practical, a loving, uh, engaged way of participating in the world. When we don't fully know, when we're okay with not fully knowing, we actually become more concerned with the practical behavior It's like, oh, I don't know everything, but actually in this moment, I'm just really okay to just be generous or to just create space for the conversation or to just ask you what your needs are and how I can help meet them or how I can get alongside you or can I just sit with you? I don't know everything. I don't know the answer, but here I am. I think that that is a beautiful thought. And so to me, if we're to truly plumb the depths of faith and relationship with God, we have to learn how to lean in to this mystery. We have to know how to lean into this sense of unknowing. We have to be willing to ask questions and to actually be okay with not always finding the answers. And actually, there's sort of this nice thought that if, we, if we're okay to sort of bring our questions and, we're, and we feel okay to sort of live out our questions and live through our questions, maybe at some point we'll, we'll stumble into an answer rather than actually getting it all figured out then and there. I think it's a beautiful thought, and I think, it's an, I think it's a wonderful invitation for us this morning. How do we lean into the mysterious, into the unknowing, into the humility? How can we do that? I think there's a really, really nice invitation for us today. And so, with that, uh, I want to invite us to a moment of communion, because I think communion is a is a nice spot where we get to enter into that space a little bit. Communion is uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite Christian rituals. It's it's, uh, it's one of these things that I love to be doing with people. I love to do it with our church. Um, And it always feels like every time I get to do communion, it feels like something significant happens. But it's also a really strange thing when you think about it. This is my body. This is my blood. Some Christians believe it actually becomes the body and blood of Christ. Some Christians believe it's a deeply symbolic thing. It's okay. Well, there'll be different theologies in this room around this. But when we take communion together... We get to enter into a relationship with God. We get to enter into the story of God. We get to sit in the presence and to know the love and to experience the grace of God. And to me, like the communion table is the great equalizer. It's an absolutely beautiful thing that we get to do. So I want to invite you to stand with me. We're going to take communion in just a few moments, but... um. Recently, I've been on this, uh, there was some sort of moment I had with God uh, a few weeks ago where basically it was like, Calvin, I want you to start writing prayers. And so, um, so I've just been writing prayers out. Every time I just remember, I've just got this notebook on my phone and I just keep opening and I keep adding prayers. And this morning, I, uh, I wrote a prayer about communion and it felt, it just felt appropriate to share. And I want to use that as our, as our sort of finishing point for the message and our entry point and our, our movement towards the communion table. And so I'm going to pray. I just want you to like maybe close your eyes, listen to the words, and then just as you're ready afterwards to just come up, take a bit of bread, take a little bit of wine. It's just grape juice, but symbolically wine. And go back to your chair. If you want to pray with someone, do so. If you want to have a moment by yourself, do so. But as you take communion and as you, as you sort of finish the remembrance process, I want you to just sort of have a quiet moment in your heart that says, God, how can I move closer? How can I move closer to you? How can I know you more? Lord Jesus, Sometimes I know your story like it's etched on my heart. I know your deep love for me and I know what it is that you invite me to. Sometimes it is easy to celebrate that, to share it and to embody it in everything that I do as I go about my life. And in these times, I am certain of your truth. I am close to your heart and I am confident in who you invite me to be. But sometimes, Lord, the story is harder to carry And sometimes I am unsure, I am doubting, and I am insecure. And in those times, it feels like you may not even be close to me, or even that I may not be worthy of your deep affection for me. Sometimes it feels like my faith is crumbling, not so sure-footed, and there are times where I fear it may give way entirely under the weight of everything. But today, Lord, I come to the table choosing once again to say yes to your story, to your invitation. I partake of the bread and remember your body broken for me, even if that seems foreign or uncomfortable or challenging in some way. I partake of the wine and remember your blood shed for me, even if that seems like some kind of strange notion. Still, I lean into the mystery of it all and step into the story of self-giving love. So Lord, come and meet with me in certainty, confidence, mystery, and unknowing continue to draw me towards you and towards a humble life lived to your glory. Be near in my knowing and my unknowing. I love you. Thank you. Amen.